0: Welcome to the Lex City Church podcast. To learn more about the
1: ministries of Lex City, please visit lexcity.church.
0: You know, we uh, we value families here. We love our next gen ministries, and it has become even more important to me in this last week. Our oldest son TJ, who you saw, and his wife Tia had their very first baby, which means our very first grandchild. Tegan is here, and uh, we're so blessed. But listen, let me just say this in seriousness on that. I'm so grateful that she's going to grow up in this church. I'm grateful for you. You will be the ones who speak into her life, who care for her, who are in small groups with her. And so I'm just grateful, the context of the church family, to, to be able to do that. So I would just say to you, parents with young kids or teenagers, listen, man, one of the best things you can do in the life of your kid and your student is to... Get them here every week, that they can experience a place who values you as parents and values you as a family, and we're grateful for it. Well, happy Easter, or if I was a little bit more historically correct, I would give you the ancient Pascal greeting that has been passed on from centuries from followers of Jesus. Today will be shared by thousands literally around the world, and they simply will say, he is risen. He is risen indeed. Such a powerful greeting, so profound. If you were in Serbia or Russia, you would share this greeting, and then you would follow it up with three kisses of peace. So if you would, just turn to your neighbor. I'm kidding. Many of you are relieved. Some of you are disappointed. You know who you are along those things. But what a profound, right, little greeting towards one another. It reminds us this, that the resurrection of Jesus is foundational to the Christian faith that everything rises and falls on the resurrection of Jesus. And so this greeting was profound because it was a reassurance to one another that the thing that we believe in, that everything else is built upon, is true. So we say once again, he is risen. He is risen. risen. Indeed. Today, I want to take a few moments in our time, and I want to share with you why I believe in the resurrection of Jesus. And I believe not simply because the Bible says so, but I believe because real men and women in human history saw the resurrected Savior and they believed. And today we're going to take a little bit of a look at that. So this Easter morning, I want to just ask you a question, a profound question. And the answer to this question has the power to change the trajectory of your life and the life to come. And the question is simply this. Is Jesus who he says that he was? And did he do what he said that he would do? Today we're going to look at what the Apostle Paul has to say on this very question. So if you've got your Bibles, if you would go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. If you're new with us this morning, if you get your phones and go to lexcity.info, all the sermon notes are there, you can follow along. If you're new to our church, ways that you can get connected, events that are happening, you'll find them all there at lexcity.info. Now, the Apostle Paul pondered this very question I gave you in 65 A.D. And his answer to the question, I think, was a very honest question that I think we all could appreciate. Paul answers by simply saying this. If Jesus did not rise from the dead, then my teaching is meaningless. My faith is useless. I've been living a lie. Here's what he says, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 14. He says this. If Christ has not been raised then all of our preaching is useless, and your faith is useless, right? If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, then all he was was really a mere man who was a good man, a moral man, a good teacher, a a kind man, but we've had kind, moral men and women all throughout human history. We've even had people who died on the cross. What made Jesus unique is he is the only one to say, I am going to die, and I will predict that I will rise again. And he did the very thing that he predicted, the only one in human history to do that. That's why 2,000 years later, we're still, like today, singing songs, telling stories, giving testimony of the fact that Jesus was not simply just a mere man, but that he was the Son of God. And in that truth changes absolutely everything. The Apostle Paul, who's going to teach us a little bit on that this morning, you, you may be familiar with him or he may be new to you. He literally believed this truth with all of his life, that he gave his life for this truth. He was martyred during the reign of King Nero of Rome. And at the moment near his death, he never wavered on the fact that Jesus was the Messiah. In fact, all throughout history, you see all of the disciples who saw Jesus believed it in such a way that they died some of the most gruesome deaths of any martyrs and yet never wavered in their faith. Why? Because they knew it to be true. This wasn't simply a myth. This wasn't a story. They had seen it with their own eyes. So today I want to share with you three reasons the Apostle Paul says you can have with great confidence, believe in your heart that Jesus is who he says that he was and that he did what he said that he would do, And as we hear from the Apostle Paul, can I remind you what makes his thoughts on this so credible, I think, is that Paul didn't grow up in the church. Paul didn't grow up defending Jesus or Christianity. In fact, Paul's life was absolutely the opposite of that. He grew up antagonistic to the church. He grew up trying to destroy the church. In fact, his name was not always the Apostle Paul. It used to be Saul of Tarsus. Saul, the man who stood in hood... Held the coats as they stoned Stephen, the very first martyr for his faith. Saul stood there and watched all things. Saul, the man who would break into homes of Christians and take the mothers and fathers in front of their children and throw them in the prison and persecute them because of their faith, this was the man who persecuted the church. Saul, at this time, you couldn't ask for a person who was farther from God, (laughs) a person who was least of all the godly around. This was his story. And I share that with you this morning as a little bit of context because, for honest, some of you may feel a little bit like that, a little like Saul, right? Your past, your struggles, your failures, your secrets that nobody else knows makes you feel probably today a little bit unlovable. Could God ever accept me? It was probably even hard to be at church today, so thank you for risking enough to come and be here this morning. But this is Saul's testimony. He wants to remind us what we're gonna see today is that God's forgiveness and God's love for you is bigger than all of our past baggage. The Apostle Paul knew this because as Saul, he probably had more baggage than any of us that are carrying even today, and he reminds us this that you are never limited, that you are never defined by your past or by your sin because the power of the resurrection and who Jesus is, that his love is greater than your past. Friends, you have never fallen so far that God can't meet you. That's the Apostle Paul's testimony. Nobody's been deeper, nobody's been darker, nobody's been farther, and yet today... Think about this. Today, we know this man named Saul as the Apostle Paul who wrote 13 books in the New Testament. This is the man who today, out of all the readings, I'm reading from you the words of Saul about who Jesus is. Why? Because God transformed him. He not only changed his name, he changed his life and he changed his legacy. And today, the great news for you this Easter morning is God can do that for you. God can change your life. God can change your legacy, and God can change your impact. Such a powerful thing. that we today don't have to be defined, we don't have to be trapped in our past, in our baggage, and that none of us have fallen where the love of God can reach us. That, that's the story of Easter. That, that's the power of Easter, and that's again what the Apostle Paul has to share to us. Here's how he says it a little bit later, Second Corinthians chapter five. He says this, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a what? A new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. (laughs) And Paul's life was forever changed. And he's going to say the changing, I'm going to share it with you, he says, all centered around the truth of the resurrection of Jesus. So he gives us three reasons. First, he says this, first, I have seen the difference that Jesus has made in people's lives. So I believe. Look what he says back at chapter 15, verse 1. Let me now remind you, dear brothers and sisters, of the good news that I preached to you before. You welcomed it then, and you still stand firm. I preached the gospel, you responded to it, and even now you're standing firm. He goes on to say, is it this good news that saves you? If you continue to believe the message that I have told you. Paul says, I believe because, listen, I preached, you responded, and your life has been changed, and I can see the difference. I knew you before you knew Jesus, and now I know you after you've known Jesus, and I see the difference, the impact of that in your life. That's the story of us here at Lex City. You're surrounded by people who have a story to share. This is what my life was before Jesus. Since I met Jesus, this is how my life has been forever changed if you don't feel like you've got it all put together can I just say you are in great company because we all have a story to share and this is what Paul says I've seen the difference of the story and so for 2,000 years we have been sharing stories and testimonies of this is how somebody's life was before Jesus they met Jesus and this is how their life has changed and so 2,000 years later I want to share with you just one more of those stories
1: My name is Amanda Powell, and this is my story. I grew up in a spiritual home, but it wasn't a Christian home, and what I mean by that is that my mom was a Jehovah's Witness, and she's been a Jehovah's Witness since I was two years old. Um, So there was always a lot of confusion on who Jesus was and what Jesus did for us. It was actually around this time of year, Easter. Um, In middle school, when I found out that Jesus died on the cross for us, there were kids at school talking about it, and it really piqued my interest and made me interested on who really Jesus was and what he did for us. A couple years later, one of my friends invited me to go to youth group with her, and so I said yes. Um, They would pick me up and we would go, and through youth group, I learned a lot about who Jesus was, how he died for us, his sacrifice. But I never really got a grasp on what that unconditional love really was. Growing up, I always felt like I had to earn love and that I was always performing, so I did whatever it took to be the good child in my family, to earn love from my family, um, and even to earn love from boys as I got older. As a result of that, I ended up getting pregnant in high school. I experienced all sorts of emotions. I felt like I was a disappointment to people. I was ashamed. I was embarrassed. And ultimately, I felt like I had disappointed and let God down. And I didn't understand how God would be able to love me now through all of this. All those feelings of shame and embarrassment ultimately pushed me to leave the church and I just got busy living life. I was trying to make it as a single mom. I was working a lot. I was trying to go to school. And I just really, Jesus was not on my mind at the time. In one of my low moments, I got into my car and I just turned on the radio, to Christian Radio. Um, While I was driving home, I heard one of the songs that I used to listen to when I attended youth group. I felt something just so overpowering and overwhelming to the point where I had to pull my car over and gather myself because I couldn't continue to drive anymore. And That night when I got home, just in my bedroom, I decided that I was done living life this way. I was done trying to do it all on my own because I couldn't do it all on my own, and I gave my life to Christ that night. After I gave my life to Christ, there was A new sense of hope in me that I had never experienced before. I knew that life wasn't just going to magically become easy overnight and there were still many hard things that I had to face but I knew in me that I had a hope in Jesus so no matter what I was going through no matter how hard stuff really was in my life that I could count on his unconditional love and that he would be with me every minute of every day through every single one of those things. Six months later I'm at the man that is now my husband and we have five kids together and I love the life that we are building together. We came to Lex City three and a half years ago. We were looking for a church that was somewhere safe that we could trust to become our church home for our family and our growing children. One of the most important ways that our family has grown in our spiritual journey has been by serving. My husband Josh serves on the production team. Um, Me and my older children we all serve in Kids City and it's been just such a blessing to be able to give back to our church by loving on all the people that we encounter while serving. I've had the opportunity to get baptized and that was so important to me to be able to just go public with my faith because that was something I had never really been able to do before. One of the ways I really try to honor God is by being open-handed and trusting Him and obeying Him and following through with what He is asking me to do. Um, Three years ago, it was the middle of the night, I just really felt as if the Lord was impressing upon my heart that I needed to donate part of my liver to someone, so I didn't think about it. I just trusted Him, and in the middle of the night, I emailed the hospital asking them, how do I donate, what do I need to do, and I just knew that I could trust God throughout the whole process because that is really what He was asking me to do. It wasn't until 9 months later that I found out that it was a little girl that I had donated part of my liver to and that she, was, she belonged to a family of Christians, of believers. Saying yes to God isn't always as dramatic as donating part of your liver. I'm learning that it can be as easy as sending flowers to someone, or writing an encouraging note to someone in your small group, or just showing up and being there for someone that's going through a hard time. The key is just to be willing to say yes to God when opportunities arise, like sharing your story on Easter morning, which is way harder than donating part of your liver. <laughs> that's so good.
0: I love it. And I'm really grateful for Amanda sharing her story because that's part that encourages us, right? When we see the difference that Jesus is making in our life, it grounds our faith. And Paul says that was part of the subjective reasons why I followed Christ. He says, but there's also a very objective one that I have. And so he goes on to share a little bit as he goes. The letter that we're reading in 1 Corinthians was written about 20 years after the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus. And I mention that because people who saw the crucifixion, saw the resurrection, were still alive. Listen to what Paul says, verse 3. So I passed on to you what most important and what also has been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins just as the Scriptures said. He was buried, and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scriptures said. He was seen by Peter and then by the twelve, and after that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. Then he was seen by James and later by all of the apostles. See, this is so important because if the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus was nothing more than a fairy tale, if this was a myth, if it's just a psychological crutch for us to be able to get through difficult times with, if that's what it was, then Paul would have never shared specific names and people and places with this story because he understood this, if people were still alive, then they could refute the lies that I would be trying to propagate to you, right? Paul says, listen, if you don't believe me that Jesus rose from the dead, then just go downtown and ask somebody, There's over 500 at one time that saw him. You know the apostles, you know Peter, just go ask. Don't take my word for it. Think of the power of this. Go ask somebody else. They've seen what I have seen, they believe what I believe. Now, here's the point it's hard to propagate a lie when people are still alive to refute that lie. If I said to you, man, March madness, amazing this year, the Cats, Final Four against UConn, what a great year! You all look at me like, Pastor, this is in 2015. <laughs> it's been a long time since we've been look two- at. Look, we all suffered this thing together, right? It's hard for me to tell you a lie when people are alive who can refute the lie that I'm sharing with you. And Paul says, this is why I believe in such a powerful way. I believe in Jesus because real men and women in human history who you can go down and ask today will say the same things that they saw the risen Savior. Finally, Paul says, if you don't believe other people's testimony, if you don't believe the reality of all who are there that you know that you can talk to, he says, I believe because of my own story. I believe because of the difference that Jesus has made in my life. Continue on in verse 8 and 9. Paul says this, last of all, as though I had been born at the wrong time, I also saw him. For I am the least of all the apostles. In fact, I'm not even worthy to be called an apostle after the way that I have persecuted God's church. Paul says, let me just tell you what I know in my own life. Let me tell you about the love of God. Of all the people in life who are not worthy, I'm not worthy. I have fought against the church. I have killed people in the name of the church. I have persecuted the church, and yet somehow in all of my sin and all of my baggage... God still loved me. God still saved me. And he says, this is my testimony. A person who was opposed to the things of God now lives by the things of God. When Jesus rose from the dead, he showed that he not only had power over death, but he had power over our sins. Paul says, when Jesus rose from the dead, he had power over my sin and my past and my baggage. When Jesus rose from the dead, he showed that not only had power over death, but he has power over my sins and your sins and your baggage and your labels and all the things that the world puts upon you. Listen, when Jesus rose, he says there's power to overcome that. And so I love the way Robert Flatt says, he says this, the resurrection gives my life meaning and direction and the opportunity to start over, no matter what the circumstances. That's so great. That's what I love today in our time, just being able to share with you the truth of the resurrection story and the power of it, because this is the truth that can change and transform your life. Easter confirms that Jesus is who he says that he was and that he did what he said that he would do. It answers for us three vital questions, three questions I believe the apostle Paul was asking, which changed his conversion. First question is this, if God really knew me, would he love me? You see, we all have this ability to put on a good face and a good front today. You all look marvelous. You cleaned up. You came here to church on the outside. Everything looks great. Yes, it does. <laughs> but here's the deal unless you are fully known, you cannot feel truly loved and fully loved. See, the hard part is this if we're not careful, we try to project these things, this image, and the fear is if people really saw inside and saw who I really were was. They wouldn't love me. I can come to church. Oh, Pastor, if you really knew about my last, you know, whatever it would be, you wouldn't want me in the church. This idea, right? If people fully knew me, they wouldn't fully love me. It's the beauty of the gospel, and it's the beauty of this principle, not only in relationship to people, but in relationship with God, that in order to be fully loved, you must be fully known. And so, can I be fully known? That would be Paul's question, right? All the junk of my past. Here's the answer to that question the answer came in the cross. On that Friday, when Jesus went to the cross and died on the cross, he said, what? I loved you this much. Romans 5.8, God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, that Christ died for us. While he knew all about you, he died for you. All the things, the secrets that you're so ashamed or scared to share with anybody else, God just says, listen, I know them, and I love you, and I died for you that I might have a relationship with you. (laughs) And I love that about God. We can be truly loved by God because we are truly known by God. And that's the Apostle Paul's story. I can share these words because God knows everything about who I am and yet accepted me and loved me in such a powerful way. Next question I think that comes to Paul's mind was he knows all about me, but can God forgive me? The answer to that question again found beauty in the beautiful story of Easter. The answer is found on the thief, right, who hung on the cross just three days earlier next to Jesus in those moments. The thief. And Jesus turns to this thief, right, who had no opportunity to make amends for his life. Think about this. He had no opportunity at the hanging of the cross in the last few moments of his life to do enough good works to overcome the bad works. He never was going to get to church. He wasn't going to be baptized. He wasn't going to have all of these things. And yet, what does Jesus say to him in Luke 23? Truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. The Bible defines that as grace, unmerited favor. That God can handle our baggage and our shortcomings and our fears, God can look at our stuff, and our addictions, and our failures, and the collateral damages that we've created through relationship through the years, and he says to you, listen, in spite of all of that, I love you, and I forgive you, and you can change in your life. You can be different. This Easter can be different than the next Easter, so can I change? Think about the empty tomb. It's the answer to that question. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is the same power that can change you and it can change me. If you don't believe it, just ask Paul, who used to be Saul, but the power of the empty tomb changed his life and changed his legacy. And if you would ask the Apostle Paul, Paul, what changed you? He would tell you because I met and experienced the living Savior that the power of the resurrection made a difference in my life and it changed me from the inside out forever. Here's the question for you this morning as we close out our time. Do you need a change? Do you need a restart? Are you tired of trying to do this thing on your own, through your own power and trying to be good enough that God could love you and accept you and you find yourself with good days and bad days but always falling short? Have you come to a point like the Apostle Paul where you just need to acknowledge before God, God, this is where I'm at, this is my shortcomings, this is my sin, I need you to forgive me, I need hope that comes from you, I need the power of, we're talking today, the resurrection to give me new life. You need to come to the point of just acknowledging that Jesus is who he says that he is, and that he did what he said that he would do. As we close out our time this morning, just in the, the quietness of this moment and the holiness of this moment, would you just bow your heads this morning in just a few moments with just you and the Lord? And if today you would say, Pastor, that's a little bit where I'm at. I, I feel like Saul. I, I'm tired I've been struggling, I've been trying to do this on my own, and God, I'm just empty. I need your hope. I need your forgiveness. I need a fresh start. If you're here today and you're saying, Lord, that's where I'm at, I need to believe and trust and put my faith in you. If that's you today, in just a moment, I'd love to just lead you in a prayer. It's not a magical prayer. It's not the words that save you. It's just the attitude of your heart to say, Jesus, I, I need you. Come into my life and to be my savior. And if that's you today, I'd love to just pray with you. If that's you, would you be willing just to raise your hand and just put it back down, just that I can pray with you today? You know? Thank you, I see that. Thank you. Amen. In the back, I see that Thank us here today saying, that's me. Love it. Let's pray together. If that's you, just pray these words in the quietness of your heart. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you that you know me and yet you love me. I thank you that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross to pay the penalty for my sins. I thank you that you rose again three days later to show that you had power over not only death, (laughs) but you had power over my sin and my stuff. So today, I'm placing my trust and my faith in you alone for the forgiveness of my sins and for eternal life jesus name amen amen thank you for listening to the lex city church podcast if you would like to support ministries of lex city visit lexcitychurch give please subscribe and follow us on social media
1: at lex city church for more encouraging teachings and content